Hey everybody, and welcome to Under the Blanket. So uh, we're under Mirage's blanket, which is a metaphor for resting in the place where there's no separation, where we feel connected to everything. And uh, I just ask that if you're listening to this podcast, don't listen to it. Instead, just let the listening happen. So you'll be just keep centering in the here and now. And there, there you are, and there, there's that person listening while you're in the here and now. And uh, I do suggest that because sometimes, you know, I imagine things come out of Baba Here Love, especially maybe uh, that offends are, and you might go down the Judge Judy route of banging the gavel about something he said. I suggest, and you don't have to, you could go that route all you want. That's fine. But you could just notice that and let go lightly. All right. So today on the show, uh, James Cox has returned to the show for his third time, I believe. James, yes. hello. Hey, how you doing? I'm here and now. And uh, I'm glad to have you back on the show. I appreciate it. Looking forward to it. All right. So, um, well, we were talking on the Facebook Messenger about uh, some myths of Shiva or that kind of stuff. So maybe you could start us off with some of the, maybe something you found interesting about that. We could see if we could, maybe we could. Well, we were, we were talking about different things we could uh, chat about. One of the things I always found interesting was this idea that different deities in Hinduism have avatars. In other words, that, deities actually have different incarnations and ways that they come to form. And, you know, that stands really in, you know, opposition to kind of the Christian view of there's one God and there's been one Jesus and, you know, that's just what it is. And, you know, this idea that a deity like Shiva could have 19 different avatars that he, when he comes onto this plane of existence, he has different powers, different forms. And that, you know, I think it does a lot to kind of expand a person's appreciation for the idea of reincarnation and that there's something more to the existence that we're living and you know in appreciation for the fact that at different times in our lives we play different roles for other people and other people play a variety of roles for us and sometimes you know we just meet these people for a short period of time and they have an influence on our lives and uh so that was kind of my thought, just to kind of kick things off. And, um, you well, know, Sh- Shiva is a good one to start with, because actually Hanuman was an, supposed to be an, an incarnation, an avatar of Shiva. Yeah, I, I, I was um, I'm aware of that one. Uh, I, I wanted it's it, what came up for me was I'm going to say something that maybe be embarrassing, I guess, but. The other day, I was watching Never Been Kissed, a Drew Barrymore movie. I know 
that guys aren't supposed to like romantic comedies or whatever, but I felt it was a really good movie. And there was a part that applied to what you're saying. There was the kooky eccentric teacher, and she's this reporter that's going back to be a high school student to get a story. And the, the kooky teacher, right when she, when she walks in the room, what is she saying? She's talking about India. And she's using that term that the high school history teacher kind of has to use, polytheism, going into what you're saying about Christianity and so on. Uh, but I feel like a lot of times that doesn't really capture yeah. uh, what the the heart of the the what some call the Santana Dharma aspect of like the the universal aspect of Hinduism. I, I just from my perspective, I feel that if you go into all the different Hindu stuff, it gets to the core of mon monoism, what some call monism, which is it's all one. And yeah. that really monotheism monotheism well there's one god and that's separate from creation so you see how that's different from monism and then polytheism well they're all one but look there's many of them so i feel like you go into the trailer park and the, the guy the, the kids from the trailer park they're going to high school and you start talking like we're talking about it you're mm -hmm. saying it's a, say kali is a symbol of say nature where you have creation. She's nursing, like Ramakrishna talks. Kali's nursing the baby, then mm -hmm. eating the baby, right? Mm -hmm. And all this kind of stuff. Well, the kid from the trailer park that's just in high school learning about Hinduism, they're not going to really probably get that kind of stuff. But they'll be like, look, that in India, they got many. In a the Christian, they got this one, Jesus. And see, see, that's that's what it comes down to is um, maybe, maybe come on in this. What about people that are looking into this Hindu stuff and they're just like, they just, it just boggles their mind and they can't put it all together. They're open to say spirituality, but, and they're, and they're drawn to the Hindu stuff, but they can't put it together. What would you, maybe you could help them with it. I don't know if I could. I mean, I, I think the, you know, I feel like it's, it's kind of like that, uh, that uh, meme where there's like the stuff of the universe that you know is like this little slice and like what you what you know you don't know is like everything else you know and that's kind of like how i feel about hinduism even though i consider myself kind of a an hindu episcopalian and i feel like i'm a devotee of hanuman and the the train of Maharaji and and Ramdas, you know, and I'm, I'm fully a devotee. That um, I don't know really how all the other pieces work together, and that's kind of part of, I think, what you go through life is trying to learn those lessons. And you know, I'm not as diligent about doing that learning as maybe I should be, but you know, I. I work at it some, but um, I think it takes a sense, an expanded sense of history, an expanded sense of space to be able to embrace a different way of looking at the world than just the Western technical dominating view of the universe. And in that way, I feel like I, I have that view, 
you know, but I don't know the details as far as a particular thing or that thing. Like you had mentioned the the one story about Kali just now. I didn't know that. I mean, but that's one of the things that uh, we benefit from from hearing other people's stories um, is to kind of hear what sticks with certain people. I've tried to read the uh, the uh, Bhagavad Gita uh, a couple of times, you know, and I just got lost in it. And I know that there's depth in it and I know that there's meaning in it, but I couldn't connect to it. And but that doesn't stop me from continuing to go back and try to do that. Like the story about uh, I think it's Arjun. Um, is one of the uh, basically the Bhagavad Gita is a war against two sides in India and Arjun is and basically it's kind of like a civil war you know they're brothers fighting brothers and, and this is my understanding I could be completely wrong but then Arjun you know comes to this realization that you know it's wrong to kill but here he's in this war and the reality is that he has to kill his brothers in order to um, be able to succeed. And he's kind of tortured by this. And a lot of the Bhagavad Gita is him trying to resolve this this conflict within. Well, uh, with the Gita, I mean, uh, what help, might help some people, maybe a listener's reading it, or maybe you'd be interested in uh, this to help. A good companion piece for the Gita is a there's a Ramdas book paths to god or mm. uh you can find which is basically this lecture he did on the gita in the 70s a very like in-depth like 12 hour lecture that was put into the book basically from what he exactly what he said but you could find it on youtube i'm pretty sure they sometimes it went up and down for a while mm. i'm pretty sure currently i'm not going to give the exact link you'll have to search it for it yourself but because uh, I don't think it's like allowed or whatever copyright, but they get it up there. And uh, I think the Love Serve Remember Foundation, you might have to pay $10 or for that specific one or something. But it, it's I'm sure it's findable somehow. Yeah, well, that's $10. good to know that the path of God, uh, that's a that's a good resource then to to go to. I hadn't known that. So. You know, I'll check that out. Oh, but yeah. again, but yeah. again, I think all these are like stories that when when you're looking at that kind of context, especially in, in this day and age where, you know, you have two sides engaged in this civil war and you have these deities using super powerful weapons um, and, you know, the the fact is that we're going through this this time of climate change and really changing the world and struggling with these institutions that are really not any good for us whether it's capitalism or um you know just the system itself is not on the side of people. It's not on the side of humanity. It's on the side of the dollar. And, you know, at the end of the day, we have to figure out how to reestablish the value of human life. 
And, you know, I think that there's a lot that can be said for looking at the larger expanse of our existence in this kind of an expanded format that kind of Hinduism offers. Yeah, and one thing that I feel maybe a lot of people don't uh, work this way to to connect with this, uh, these what most people would call myths, but is uh, what some people call lucid dreaming. And that's when you, like, when you go to sleep at night or in the day, maybe you work a night job at uh, IHOP or something, a 24-7 international house of pancakes. But regardless of that, um, the thing about it is um, if you're able to, when you're on, I call them the astral planes, Ram Ross uses that word too, mm-hmm. and you're on this plane, it's another plane that's just like this plane. When you're on the astral plane, it feels just as real or or could feel realer. <laughs> and what's funny about it is, uh, you're but if you're able to be conscious or lucid dream or be conscious of that plane, it's so much different because then you're like, oh yeah, I'm not whatever you're. Because when you're usually people would dream and they totally forget about their physical plane existence, they're back at school without their underwear or something. But we, that's a common dream. But if you're <clears throat> lucid, you'd be like, I don't go to school. Uh, here I am having a dream that's on where I could fly or something, even though you could say that the physical plane is just a dream, too. So with that in mind, I just thought uh, you were talking about stories, just a really quick uh, account of a contact with Shiva. Get this. This is kind of cool. So I'm on this astral plane in the same room with my mother, uh, my biological mother. And I start chanting Ram with one-pointed concentration and deep boxy devotion. And then I'm pulled by a force to a glowing painting of Hanuman. All right? So get this. And I'm looking at Hanuman glowing, and I'm still chanting Ram. And, of course, this is really incredibly ecstatic. And I go into deeper and deeper bliss. And I fly upwards 100 feet. And then I encounter a glowing painting of Ram. And I'm still chanting. Finally, I get to Shiva. And I stop chanting. And I fall into silence. And Shiva doesn't speak to me. And through silence, his eyes zap me with this unspeakable truth. And what that um, uh, brings us maybe to, you know, the shows under the blanket. Maharaji and his blanket and all that. Oftentimes, people would notice Maharaji would become completely still like a mountain. And that's when they'd say he was like Shiva, the silence, at least one aspect of Shiva, not the dancing aspect, mm-hmm. but the, the still, the one you see where he's sitting on the tiger skin and he's, mm-hmm. he looks serene. And then other times, he'd be more like Krishna, playful. Like, uh, if you watch, uh, the videos actually get capture a lot of this in my view but if you read stories about it and love everyone or uh, a miracle of love and it's interesting how that i feel we're not always maybe like hanuman but sometimes we're more like shiva or sometimes we're like ravana mm-hmm. or whatever it is but the thing i feel about all this is working with these whether it's this indian myths or these other myths Basically, it's a way to feel whole within and find balance and peace. And like you're saying, apply to the, the, this stuff to the modern world. This stuff isn't just ancient myths from history. This stuff is very in the moment and very much applicable, in my view. 
in yeah. the modern world without necessarily being religious or anything. You yeah. know what I'm saying? No, I agree. And I mean, and I think when you talk about those two planes, I mean, I think that a lot of times those two planes, sometimes we walk through life and I think a lot of times we don't realize we do, but we walk through life when we have feet on both of those planes. And like uh, an example of this that happened to me that I, uh, I remember was there was, um, there's a, uh, a, uh, not a yard sale, but it's like a, a flea market in a town near where, um, I lived. And years ago I went there with, um, I was with Betsy at the time. It was Betsy and, uh, I pretty sure I had winter with me too, my daughter. And as we pulled up into, um, this flea market, I had this overwhelming out of nowhere this overwhelming sense that hanuman was near and you know there's there's a large outdoor area there's a small indoor area but we never went to the indoor area and i'm like there's a hanuman nearby and i felt drawn into the indoor spot indoor part and as I walked in on the first stall, as you walked into the building, there was a four foot painting of Hanuman um, that this guy had done. And it was just remarkable because it came out of nowhere. And yet it's like if you kind of accept into it and you kind of accept and letting go that something miraculous can happen that a lot of times things do and you know it was it was just um an amazing experience and i was like well obviously i i was going to take that Hanuman home with me it was like 60 bucks the guy painted it but it's like I've had it up ever since and it's beautiful um but it's it says a lot I think that we can we can exist with this awareness in both planes it's just we have to kind of get to a mindset to that is open enough to be able to do that and part of that is I think with Maharaji, it's living in that space of love, right? It's like being able to not let the darkness that's all around us kind of subsume you and really embracing and living in that space of love. Yeah, absolutely. Um, like that space of love. And I feel like a uh, an aspect of that is being able to say you're in a partnership or you're, someone's boss is giving them problems. You don't necessarily have to tell the person this or anything, but being able to look through the costume of the person and see that part of them that is like a deity. So I'll give you an example. Uh, my partner, Elise, uh, I'm, I often will see her as not always Kali, but most of the time Kali and where I see, like Kali, for example, has this aspect of her, which is like the terrible aspect. And of course, my partner has 
issues, you could put it that way. And I don't take it personal or anything. I'm not going to get in detail about that, but she's got issues. But I found if I'm able to stay in that love that you're talking about and see that this is just Kali manifesting the terrible aspect. So uh, out of grace and compassion and caring, Kali's like the caring deity that's hungry for your impurities is how I look at her. And she's manifesting just so she could point out some of my attachments, aversions, desires. And it really does work when you're able to fully 100% do it. If I'm almost doing it, it doesn't work. But if I'm fully doing it, it does work. What happens is I'll, that when she's flipping out or whatever, I'll notice attachments, aversions, desires reacting to that. And mm-hmm. instead of going down that route, I'll just, like you're saying, let go. And uh, meanwhile, where am I? In the space of love. And seeing her as that love or the deity, Kali, or whatever it is. And her stuff will burn out. I'll be letting go. I'll let go of all that stuff that came up. And all of a sudden, she'll calm down and we'll be in that space of love together. Yeah. And all the whole thing becomes grace. Yeah. And even like we were saying about the miracles, you keep working with this stuff. I've seen her uh, not... On psychedelics sometimes, yes, so I guess some people are cynical about that, but also not on psychedelics at all, where she would turn into, like, literally, you'll see her, like, I saw her skin turn into Kali's skin, and she had that things that Kali was wearing, and all that kind of stuff, and one time, I don't even know how to explain this one, really, Uh, but maybe you could help me with this. She turned into this cosmic being... It wasn't her as in a person. It was this being that was just so, had been through everything. I had been, not not in a way where it's like the, the Atman. The Atman is the untouched, total bliss aspect. But this being that had suffered all of it. That had suffered all the pains of the world, of all the worlds. And she was just sitting there wanting me to just love her and it was after this thing that I listened to Ram Dass where he said, look in someone's eyes and you'll see all these different aspects of a person come up. And that's what I was doing that with her. And that came up. And I remember it kind of freaked me out and I couldn't keep looking in her eyes because it was just like so much suffering. It was not just her suffering. Yeah. It was the suffering of all of it. And I admit I'm not embarrassed. I admit it. I was freaked out and I wasn't on psychedelics at that time. And I looked away from it, and I couldn't finish the exercise. Ram Dass said, he said, well, if that comes up, you just say, and this too, and this too. Well, I didn't say, and this too. I said, I can't look in your eyes anymore. <laughs> yeah. No, I, she's I, the I, devil is basically what it is, right? Well, no. she. It's, it's energy, right? It's the energy yeah. of the universe. And energy is neither good nor bad. You know, it's that it is. And so... You know, we we lay interpretations on top of it, but, you know, we've all had and some of us have had more bad experiences than others. Right. And I've had people that I've known that are have gone through really bad stuff. And, you know, in some ways I. You know, I didn't have that experience. Um so in some ways I can't relate, but I, like you said, you try to make the space 
of love and service to be able to create a, a safe place for them to return to. And that's really all you can do. You know, you don't try to change them. You don't try to, you don't try to make it better because, you know, it's all work that we have to do on the inside. And ultimately we're in charge of our own incarnations, but it helps heal that energy of the universe. I think. Yeah, you're right. A little bit uh, by little bit. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I, when Elise is listening to this, I was just kidding about the devil thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right, baby. Cool your jets. <laughs> anyway, she has a great sense of humor. She does. So the thing about it is, um, with this stuff, you, you probably get this aspect of it, definitely, is that you make the commitment at some point in your spiritual journey that this is a 24-7 commitment. This is really a huge shift for some people. I mean, a lot of people, they, they'll they go to yoga class or they'll go to church or they'll go to the Hindu temple or whatever, or they'll read books about it. But it's not like the centering point of their life. That's like secondary. Their main life might be their family life or uh, getting through the work day or whatever it is. And this is stuff just to help them feel a little bit better about it all. But then there's a point where maybe this, you got to this point, I imagine where you're just like, this is my everything that every waking moment, every dream or anything I'm permitted to the spiritual awakening path. Perhaps you could go into that sense of it's all part of that path. Yeah. I mean, there've been times when, you know, something happened and, you know, you feel like your, your world has ended. And what I ended up doing was I basically binged Ramdas like 24 seven for a couple of weeks. And, you know, people that I knew were like, well, that's good. And, you know, but it'll take a long time to, to heal from it. But Really, after a couple of weeks, I mean, I felt like I was better than I was before, you know. But, I mean, listening to Ramdas's voice, chanting, doing that, and kind of getting inside that space and hearing the message in different aspects and kind of going back to what we were talking about, that's what Shiva is, really different aspects of a message, right? Each of those avatars is a different message from the same same source. But burying yourself in that, you know, can really help in terms of calming your mind and getting to a place where you know, whatever happened that's disrupted your life, you're able to move beyond. Because now you're you're looking at things from a larger perspective. You're looking at things from the 30,000 foot view. Yeah. And in a way that's freeing. It's freeing from kind of the earthly pain, so to speak. Oh, absolutely. Um, what you're saying about Shiva, uh, freeing from the, like Shiva, uh, as far as Shiva goes, the part I connect with the most is the dancing, Shiva the dancer, and how it's this 
from a Ramdas perspective and be here now, especially I'm like be here now is like my Bible, and it goes into Shiva as a dance of life, and uh, that you know it's not like I'm I do do a lot of actual like physical dancing, of course, but just being able to live, see how it is dance, like when the leaves are say blowing a little bit, a person's walking by, the sun just sneaks past the cloud, you hear a car beep, you. You might think of a song, and then all of a sudden, the feeling of your feet on the ground. And instead of saying, like, oh, it's another boring day, I can't wait till I get to take a shit, instead of looking at it as a profane, mundane, superficial way, I can't wait till I get my next hot dog or whatever it is, or can't wait, I'm gonna put on the tube when I get home. Regardless, like, instead of all that kind of way of looking at things, wow, it's such a profound, divine dance. Yeah. There's like that movie. I was just talking to someone. He listened to this podcast. I want to shout out. Hey, uh, you know who you are. You listen to this podcast. <laughs> Remember when we were talking in the park and you were talking about listening to the podcast and you're telling me about American Beauty and how the bag was dancing. And this is an old movie from back in 2002 or something. And this guy was filming a bag dancing and talking about how it's all dance. And back then he didn't get it. And then he was talking about he's having a spiritual awakening. He's listening to the show and stuff and reading books and doing his own sort of uh, path with all this. Uh, and he's talking about how it all is a dance and getting it. So shout out to one of my listeners. Hey, it is a dance. Find <laughs> yourself a plastic bag and toss it into the, the, the sky. But, but that's not environmentally friendly, so actually don't do that. <laughs> right, right? Yeah, You've seen yeah. that movie? I have. I remember there what you go. you're talking about. I remember what you're talking about. Yeah. But that, that's like what it is with Shiva. But we actually, we I like to keep these like concise, these episodes and all that, uh, as far as my human does. I just feel that's like my style. So we have reached the end of the podcast episode. We keep them around 30 minutes. And all that kind of stuff. So I really thank you for doing the show, James. And Anytime. wow, we could just keep going on about this stuff for a while, I'm sure. And well, we'll do another. Yeah, that would be good. And uh, so, you know, thank you for doing the show and all that. This has been Under the Blanket with your host, Baba Harry Love, also known as Shiva. I am Shiva. Shiva in the sense of I'm also nobody special because Shiva in the way that you're Shiva too. Like it says in Be Here Now, they put you in a mental hospital when you, not maybe these days after Reagan, but they, they put you in a mental hospital when you think you're Christ or you're Shiva and the other guy's not Shiva. But if you really get that we're all God or we're all Shiva, or we're all Kali, they won't lock you up for that because it's humbling and you're seeing the other person as God. That's not going to cause some mental crisis. It's just the ego uh, that gets the messianic complex that leads to psychosis. So if you think you're going crazy listening to this show and you're going to go run out and tell everybody you're a cosmic dancer and to put plastic bags in the air and watch them dance and you're screaming at people in the street telling them about plastic bags, please stop. Please. I didn't mean to set you off on, set you off on that stuff. Anyway, that's probably not happening, though. All right. So I like I end the show with this. I say... Ram, 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 or Rama, 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 as like a mantra. You could join in, James, or gotcha. love, 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 or something you want to say, or whatever. So, 
Rum. Uh, here we go. One, two, three. Rum. 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 Rama, Rama, Rama.